0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another edition of the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast. Part of the blue wire network i'm your host patrick moran you can find me on twitter at patmorantweets. tweets thank you very much for locking in in just a couple of minutes in fact probably a minute and a half or so i'm gonna have joe yardan on today and it's gonna be an all buffalo sabers episode lots of stuff to talk about trades of course the draft free agency coming jack eichel so today's all about hockey with joe Before I get into that, though, just wanna give you a couple uh, quick programming notes. This is gonna be a very, very busy week here at Talkin' Buffalo Podcast. Over the next four days, starting today, I'm gonna drop episodes four straight days on you. So four straight days. Again, today, Joe Yurden, all about the Buffalo Sabres. Then on Wednesday, another edition, or third edition of the Finer Wings Club, going to do Imperial Pizza, and if you're listening to this on Tuesday and you actually want to come by and check out the taping of the podcast, come say hello. I'm going to be with Marcel Luis Jacques from ESPN.com. He's confirmed to be with me and I'm working on a second guess. I don't want to confirm that and, and say, it yet because it's not quite confirmed, but Marcel's going to be with me for sure. Again, we're taping at Tuesday night, 8 p.m. or so at Imperial Pizza on Ever Road in South Buffalo. We're going to try out their wings, talk about their place, talk Buffalo Bill's. And that'll drop on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, The Notorious, one of the Twitter's biggest trolls out there, my man Barry McCockiner. He's got almost 100,000 followers. And a lot of people know him for all of his crazy shenanigans and all the shitty pulls on Twitter, like I said, with his intentional trolls. But he's been on this show twice. And if you listen regularly, you also know he has actually some outstanding, legitimate football takes. Training camp's going on, so we'll talk We'll talk a little bills, but we'll talk about the NFL. We'll talk about his ongoing hatred to Tom Brady. Maybe we'll talk a little bit of hoops as well. So that's Thursday. And then, of course, again, on Friday, it's casual Friday. So Joe Yurden will be back with me again on Friday. Same format as always. We'll talk some bills, some savers, uh, just stuff going around in the city of Buffalo. And then, of course, we'll do another starting five draft, which, by the way, Joe has now beat me five short weeks. I'm pretty embarrassed about that. But anyway, that is coming up over the next four days here. And I don't want to waste any time. Let's just get right into it. All Buffalo Sabres talk today with my man, Joe Yurden. All right, I'm joined right now by hockey writer, sports media personality. And as much as it pains me to admit this, at this point, the uh, undisputed champion of our weekly casual Friday starting five drafts. Joe Yurden. I said that almost grudgingly. Like I, didn't, I said your name almost, kind of pissed off there, man. What's going on, buddy? How you doing?
2: I'll save my celebrations for Friday, but I'll just say uh, <laughs> thank you for for bringing me on, even though I've 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 kicked your ass.
1: Yeah, you buried me yet again. <laughs> and yeah, we'll say that for Friday for sure. Um, come up with a new one. Maybe I'll break the losing streak, but I I highly doubt it. This is going to be pretty much all Sabres talk, and I love doing Casual Friday with you because I feel like that's almost more of a just what it is, a casual Friday, a casual mm-hmm. conversation that we have throughout the show about sports and Buffalo, and then of course our, our weekly draft that we do for fun, whereas this episode today on Tuesday is going to be pretty much straight down the line in Buffalo Sabres talk, but before that, I, I, I got to want to explain to you why, so I know everything that happened, and we're going to talk about the two trades, I know Jack Eichel is still a Sabre as we tape this at least late into uh, Monday night. I know the first handful of draft picks. And I want to get your insight, of course, on all this stuff. And I did kind of follow along on Twitter, but I wasn't really locked in. And that's because uh, we have this family thing, like once every two years. And we didn't do it in 2019. It got pushed to 2020 because something came up. And then, of course, COVID. So it's actually been four years. It's a family event called Proc Stock, mm-hmm. which is like the family's... Um, imitation of Woodstock. And the reason why it's called proc stock long story short, I don't want to bore you with too many details, but one <laughs> of our cousins, my wife's cousins, their name is Procno. So proc and um, our aunt has a very large property. I mean, with tons of acres in the back and every couple of years, like a hundred people converge. They bring their RVs, their tents, and we just have proc stock. Anyway, long story short, I followed as best I could on Twitter this weekend, but I ain't gonna lie to you, Joe. I was, I was pretty much drunk all weekend. <laughs> it started hey. Friday, Friday around dinner time. And that rolled right into Sunday. Originally, I wanted to hook up with you on Sunday night and tape something for Monday. But I, I decided, well, two parts. A, I wanted to give another day with the Sabres to see if something happen with Jack Eichel. Cause that's such a big story. And also I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I was kind of, I was mentally as well as physically hurting a little bit <laughs> all day and night Sunday. Like I didn't get out of bed yep. once we got home the three or four o'clock. So it was one of those weekends. What are you going to do?
2: You know, listen, we've, we've had those, we've all had those weekends where it's, you're just like, yeah, no, I'm t- turning everything off. I'm not going to care about anything and I'm just going to have a good time. And you know what? Yeah. Monday's always for paying for it. That's why I always kind of get a laugh at the, you know, the whole football season victory Monday thing. Cause usually if you, if you've been busy watching football all day Sunday, it's, you know, if your team doesn't win, it's more of a hangover, but if your team does yeah. win, it's an even it's an even longer hangover because I
1: assume there's victory drinks involved. I got to ask you because you said this as a sports fan, forget about the media part. I know you've covered, you've covered the Sabres, you cover hockey, but even forget that or forget just hockey period. We even stick it with football. When you win, when your team wins and you're not just Buffalo, a fan of Buffalo teams, you're a Detroit sports fan. We've talked about that multiple times, like obviously mainly the Lions. When when, when your team wins, like do you want to consume everything the next day about your team? Whereas when they lose, you kind of want to forget it ever happened, and like you don't listen to radio and you try to, n- which is kind of, you know, this is kind of crazy for us to say. I'm a podcaster, you're a sports writer to kind of admit it, but as a fan, you tend to stay away from stories and, and sports talk and, and TV shows more when your team's playing shitty and they lose that next for that following week. No? Uh, I
2: don't know. Some teams make it easier than others to to ignore them when they're bad, or you know, if they're good, like, cause it it, it depends on the team too. Like if the lions were good, I'd be terrified to read anything good about them just because I'd be like, (laughs) the floor is going to fall out at some point. I don't want to get hyped up, but then when they're bad, like people ignore them when they're bad for the most part, unless they're going over, then it's, you know, then it's unavoidable, but, um, or they have, you know, a string of embarrassing losses, which usually happens every year, uh, where they, you know, something stupid happens and they lose, but, um but uh, for a team like that it's it's easy to avoid but then again you know like with the yankees anytime that they're losing it's a huge story and anytime that they're winning it's a huge story so you can't get you can't escape it so like you know they've had what five awful like gut punch losses in the last like three weeks it seems like and you know this latest one against they had two against boston in this past series so it's like Yeah, you know, great, cool. Like they're they're not a good team this year, and you know they've been snake bitten by everything possible. So, but like, it's all a huge story. It's all blown out of whack. But like, if they win, if they win, like the Yankees win the World Series, probably have a beer. You know, like you know, toast a beer at my old man. Probably do that. But like, if the Lions won the Super Bowl, I don't know how I'd react. I would, I would (laughs) be, I'd be, I'd be comatose for for the entirety of the playoffs uh, because I wouldn't understand what was going on, and I would be a wreck. I would be an absolute – I'd be an exhausted wreck at, at the end of the game. I'd be too stunned to celebrate. But the one time I did go nutty celebrating uh, was when Oswego won the national championship in, in Division three hockey in 2007. And for whatever reason, the CBS Sports Network had the game on their their cable channel. So I was able to watch it because the game was uh, – it was in Superior, Wisconsin. So it's not like I could drive there. Like every – once every five years, it goes out west for the championship. And that was the one year it was out West because otherwise I'd drive. I wouldn't care where it was out East. I'd just go watch. Uh, But this time they were out West. So I wasn't able to go. So watching it on TV and it was an overtime game. They're playing against Middlebury. Middlebury who's won hundreds of, you know, they won a bunch of times and they ended up beating Middlebury in overtime with just a sick goal. And I like got up, started shouting, started running around, ran outside, did a backflip. I've never done a backflip in my life. I did a backflip that day into a snowbank in front of my in front of my folks' house. <laughs> and I, I come back inside, and there I had already missed four phone calls. I was I was outside for maybe two minutes, and it was four phone calls I missed. And you know I had to call back, call everyone back. And my buddy Kevin, who also did play by play at Oswego for a bit, he, he picks up the phone, and we're just both going ah. Just screaming in the phone, just like, holy shit. But yeah, that's that's like the one time where I really let it out. But like again, I was too exhausted to like sit back and be like, let's let's pound a bunch of beers. Like, I couldn't do it. I was just like, Oh, thank God it's over. Oh, thank God they won. It was it was just like one of those kinds of things.
1: Well, when it comes to the savers, I don't think we're gonna need to worry about any celebratory uh no reactions at least no. anytime soon. I'll say this it was a I had my own personal pretty wild weekend and it was a, a semi semi wild weekend for the Sabres. I really don't think anything that happened was completely shocking. Maybe other than the fact that as we tape this, maybe Jack Eichel is still a Buffalo Saber at this moment, and we'll get a, we'll get into him in a few minutes. But uh, the two other guys, the two guys that did get traded, I mean, we've talked about it, you've talked about it on this show for weeks now. Very expected. You expected both to happen. I guess it goes down to where they went to and what they got that maybe is a little bit surprising. So again, educate me a little bit here. Let's start uh, Rasmus Russelainen. So he goes to Philly and they he, they get a first, the Sabres I'm talking about, they get a first next year, uh, a second in 2023. And Brandon Haig, I want to get your thoughts on the trade. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on the haul. It seems to me, based on, again, my own personal thoughts, maybe some conversations that I've had with people, it seems that they got a little bit more than I anticipated for Rasmus. So, uh, you know what's your take about that?
2: Well, the I think the the biggest take on it is that the what they got in return for him is pretty stunning because I think the opinion of him around here, for the most part, was pretty low. You know, I mean, you can't be the face of a team that's that you know for the last seven, eight years now, and yeah, you know, for the better part, seven years, and not be thought of as just a giant loser who couldn't get it done, who couldn't help the team get over the hump. You know, no matter how many you know good things they might have done. You know, he was just looked at as like, man, this, you know, he's, he's the, for lack of a better term, he's the face of, of all the losing the past few years because his, his stats have partially reflected that. I mean, everybody points to his plus minus being, you know, minus, what is it like minus 160 or something like that? It's something terrible. And Isn't
1: it like the worst in the NHL over a certain period of time? It's something, if
2: it's not (laughs) the worst, it's very close to it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, for I think for his time that he's been in the league, he's got the he's got the lowest plus minus of all of yeah. them. And I there was also a metric and I should have this stuff like favorited now. But like I just was like, forget it, whatever. But there was a metric that uh, where you know, for defensemen in the NHL the past, like what, one, two, three seasons, whatever it was. Um, there was 68 of them and it ranked you know, ranked where they, you know, how they ranked in each metric. And he was last in every single one of them. Which I mean, you know, listen, it's it's how it is when you play for the t- a team that's finished last in the league, what three times, three four times now since 2014. That's going to happen. So, like, how, the much that, that- how much is
1: that on the system, Joe? Like, how much of that is the system versus how much of it is directly the player itself? I mean, we'll probably find start to find that out when he goes to Philly now with a you know mm. new system and new teammates. But is there any part of his production or lack of production I should say and his metrics that are bad is that you know can you look at this organization during his time here in in the coaching staff and just the players the talent around him is it the system that kind of made him look bad or is it more just you know he's just was an underachieving player that just frankly wasn't very good and never lived up to his expectation that we all had for him
2: well I, I look at it this way he you know his you know, his first year, his first season, he played half in Rochester, half in Buffalo. And I'm trying to like quickly look back at his uh, his game charts just to see just to make sure I get which coaches he played for. Correct. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was all Ted Nolan. I'm I'm almost positive of that. But if but if he if he played for Ron Ralston at all in that, you know, brief window in 2013, 14, um, that alone would be you know, that's one coach to add to the fire, but um, yeah, yeah, no, he played for, so he, he starts his career with Ron Ralston, Ralston gets fired. Then he moves on and plays for Ted Nolan. And then after that, it's, you know, they fire Ted Nolan after the tank season, they hire Dan Biosma. He plays for Biosma. He plays for Phil Housley. He plays for Ralph Krueger. And now, you know, he's played for Don Granato. Like, and that's in seven seasons, yeah that's nuts like that's what five coaches in seven seasons he's played you know parts of or full seasons with and that's you know it's five different coaches it's five different systems it's five different ways of doing things and it's five you know five ways to go about figuring out how you play hockey and when you've got a defense and a defenseman especially there's so many you know and being what was he he was 19 in the 13-14 season like, you can't just have guys like that learning in these kinds of situations where every other year they've got to do, they've got a new coach. And for a defenseman, especially, like, they've got to learn, like, they've got to get accustomed to playing in the NHL. They've got all these different things that they've got to get figured out as time goes on. And having different coaches, each, you know, all these times really hurts. And that's why I'd be terrified for Daleen because he's, he's what, three seasons in and he's had three coaches man that sucks <laughs> like that's that's really bad and it's you know but i think it's you can't hang it you can you can put some blame on the player because the player's got to play the game but in his case he's not been put in a in a in a situation where he can be successful you know they, they you know every time they've built up the team around these players they've done it wrong um you know if you know they when they fired Biosma, i think that was a it was somewhat of a surprise, but considering how the locker room felt about him, it wasn't Uh, when they let go of Housley. I think there was a lot of debate that, you know, you're letting him go too soon. Uh, But it certainly seemed that after that second season, yeah, probably he wasn't cut out for it, but also how much of that is also on the team or is on management. And, you know, certainly Kruger, you know, we don't have to say anything else about Ralph Kruger. That's that just went very poorly. But, um, but now, but now you're looking at a possibility of him, playing under his fifth, sixth head coach now with Granado and saying like, well, eventually he's going to have to snap out of it. Well, he's already built up a record of, of, you know, seven and a half seasons and it hasn't happened. And, you know, whether that's his fault or management or coaching or, or, or all of it together, that's on them. And at some point you just have to say, listen, we got to move on. And, you know, I think for a lot of us that that point was two years ago. Um, but But the fact that they did it now, Makes a ton of sense, and I think the thought is that considering the resume he built up, there was no way you were going to get a first round pick for him. There's no way you're going to get multiple pieces for him, because you're thinking like if they can get a third, they'll be lucky. But you know, you know, Pierre LeBrun talks about how there are multiple teams ready to give up a first round pick for him, and that that raised the price for Philly so that they give up a first, they give up a twenty twenty three second round pick. You know, I, I Robert Hogg, I don't, you know, it's no no slight on him, but that was just to help you know balance some money out, but. Um, but the fact that you're getting a first and a second round pick for for Ristalina, given his resume, is shocking. That's that's utterly stunning considering what you know what you lay forth on the table with his with his numbers, with his metrics, with the advanced stats, with everything. It's a
1: shock. When it comes to to Rasmussen, obviously I don't know hockey nearly to the extent that you do, but with my eyes at least, it seemed early this past season. When he played with Jake McCabe, he was playing some of, maybe some of the best hockey that I've ever seen Rasmus WrestleMania play. And mm-hmm. then of course, McCabe suffered the the major knee injury, more on that in a minute. But it kind of went, you know, the season, like it, most seasons have for him into, uh, into the shitter. And by the way, briefly, like Robert Hogg, t- t- tell me a little bit about him. I mean, I just called him Brandon about two and a half minutes ago. So that tells you <laughs> how much I really know about the player. But I know that this trade was about the picks. But does the player bring any value to this team going forward like for the next one or two seasons? I don't know anything about this player at all he's uh he's
2: a, a bit of a tough guy you know he's a more of a physical defenseman uh not a ton of uh puck carrying skill there uh but he's not a you know a goon level guy either but like he's not afraid to get physical if he has to uh we saw some of that in the last couple of years with the, with the flyers um I, he doesn't, he doesn't turn the excitement meter up for me in an ideal situation. He's your, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh defenseman. I think, um, I think that's the best, that's the best way to, to, uh, to break it down for him. But, um, but I think in Buffalo, he, you know, if things break down, uh, the way that they're supposed to, he's probably going to get a fair amount of minutes. He's a lefty, um, He's Swedish, so you know that it's a lot of reasons to be like, all right, hey, maybe we got something here. But you know, listen, it's he's had two hundred, almost two hundred forty games, forty-seven points, Um, and even still, the penalty minutes, not a lot of them, which is which is fine. But you know, some of the lasting impressions I've I've seen of him, you know, the last couple of years was him just getting getting his anger up at at some guys and and getting pushy. But I mean, you know, his best season was what eighteen nineteen. He had twenty points. He was a minus three, like, yeah, it's fine. You know, the advanced stats are, you know, nothing, nothing great, nothing good either. <laughs> like is he's a career 42 coursey guy. That's not good. And the flyers were good for a few of those years. So I am I'm, I'm not getting excited about him. But again, the 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 salary balance things out. And um, that's that's part of the price of doing business when when you've got when you're sending a guy with a five million dollar contract to a team that's having uh that's tight against the cap.
1: You know, it's worth noting too, we had discussions on this podcast over the last couple of weeks about the Sabres protected list going into the uh, to the expansion draft. And I was kind of of the mindset that I really wanted Will Borgen to remain in Buffalo. And there were a lot of people that said maybe Rasmus or Selena should have been exposed. You vehemently were against that. And I remember us talking about, well, okay, well, if the, the return that they get for Rasmus is better than what they got for losing Borgen, then it would turn out to be the right move. So based on what they got, a player, a serviceable, semi-serviceable player and two high draft picks, you got to kind of consider this uh, for Kevin Adams a win to the way this worked out. by uh, I mean, of course, he didn't want to lose Will Borg, And maybe it would have been nice if they could have worked out a little something to have them take Colin Miller or something. But all things considered, with uh, Russell Lane and how many people were saying that he should have been exposed, I, I, I kind of mm. feel like this worked out well.
2: Yeah. No, this is the, of, of the trades he's of that Adams has made here in his short time. Uh, this is by far his best one. Um, yeah. you know, that they, they were able to the, West
1: side, uh, baby <laughs> West side
2: motorcycle races. <laughs> there um, he goes. uh, but he turns it first round pick this year into Isaac Rosen. You know, he's a you know, Swedish scorer winger. Like they drafted about seven wingers. It seems this year. So, um, it'll be interesting to see him kind of grow up. He'll he's likely to be on the world junior team for Sweden this year. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, I think a handful of the, some of the guys that got later in the draft are, are also going to be candidates for that. But, um, but I mean, like turning that pick into a player that you're, that you had your eyes on is great. Um, I, I think the thought was after they finished that trade was that maybe they're going to use that number 14 pick to maybe move up a little higher in the draft, you know, maybe make that part of a potential Eichel deal. Whatever it was, it didn't materialize. So Isaac Rosen is a nice pick. Um, it, I mean, you lose Ristolainen, which honestly, is, and I hate saying this because I like the guy, it's, it's addition by subtraction because all the, the negative aspects of his game are now eliminated from, from what has kind of helped the team fall behind. So those negative effects, especially for a guy that plays 20 plus minutes a night, are gone. And now he, I mean you have to fill the minutes part up with with some other guys. You know, Yoki Haryu is gonna be one of them. He's gonna get a he's big he's gonna get a big bump in minutes. Um, you know, Miller's gonna see more minutes too. So, you know, I I I can't see those guys falling back so much that it now equals out so that you have wrist the line and effects on them. But I guess we'll see we'll see how it works out with with some of those guys getting more more attention against the top
1: lines. You mentioned Rasmus being a good guy, and it got me thinking. To a to a man and to a woman in the media, I've heard a lot of that in the in the last couple of days since he got traded. You've talked about it on this mm-hmm. show several times. You tweeted about it. Um, Lance and Mike from the Buffalo News, John from the Athletic, and you know uh, Paul, some other guys out there who covered the Sabers. They were to a man, they would say that Risslina was a good guy off the ice and and mm-hmm. a stand-up guy and one of uh, at times in. You know, in an era of sports where there's just so many locker room divas and people who just don't take accountability, he was one of those guys who would, for the most part, stand up in front of a microphone and, and, you know, just kind of tell it how it was. And I'm sure as a, as a sports writer and somebody who who covers hockey and talks to players and stuff, I'm sure that's something you appreciated, not the same token. And you guys have also said this as well. I mean, that's great, but at some point you got to be able to produce on the ice. You could be a great soundboard off the ice. But if you keep, uh, you know, if you're inept on the ice, that kind of washes that out. But anyway, just so, for you to reiterate what you've said before, he was a good guy.
2: Yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned the accountability part. Um, his role was was a little funny because he was a guy who, uh, after games, he ran right to the shower. For he was first guy into the shower. Um, and if you needed to talk to him, you had to let you had to let PR know like almost before the game was over. Like, hey, we want to talk to Rasmus because if he didn't, he was going to be showered, dressed, and gone to you know to go back to his apartment. Which you know, I mean, that can be seen as a negative thing, but it's really not. Um, everybody's got their own routines and stuff. And like, he wasn't a guy that just was going to hang out in the locker room. He never was. You know, from from the time he was a kid, you know, from a rookie until now. Like, some guys some guys are cool with hanging out. Other guys just they're not comfortable with it. Um, but whenever you needed a straight answer, like if you got tired of hearing different, you know, types of team speak stuff from, from other players, and it's not, a, you know, listen, the players are, players are raised and coached on, on different ways to be. Rasmus didn't, didn't do that. Like he did not pull punches, especially, you know, in reference to his own game, uh, in reference to how the team was playing and into how he felt. And I think when you, when you have those kinds of things happen, you are you end up appreciating that guy more for being able to speak that way. Uh, as opposed to guys that are just kind of like, well, you know, we got to get pucks in deep. We got to work harder. We got to do this, that, the other thing. Like you get a guy like Risto that just has kind of fun with it and just rolls. It's a gift, but like one that you don't get, you don't take for granted because you don't get it that often.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Before we talk about Sam Reinhardt and Jack Eichel, I should have brought this up earlier. I remember very well locker room cleanup day. It, it, well, it was on Zoom. You guys, you know, nobody was actually in the locker rooms. When I go back to those, what I, I guess I would call them ill-fated pressers now with some of these players. And they did it over the course of two days. I, I remember Jack spoke on day one and I think Rasmus and then maybe Reinhardt on day two. I can't remember. But obviously they all spoke and it was, I think now in, in hindsight, The writing was literally on the wall. I mean, there was a lot of speculation right away, of course. But I think, do you think that that like sealed the deal right there? Like there was no doubt that this was what it was going to come down to based on what you heard, like right after the season, when those guys spoke, and it was pretty obvious that none of them were enthusiastic about the potential of of returning to Buffalo for another season.
2: I think the whole season kind of, (laughs) kind of made that happen. The way things went, you lose 18 games, you fire a coach, you do all this, all this other bad stuff. I think that that more or less sealed the fate. It, just that the, the, the end of the year press conference stuff just kind of lets it get out, lets it get out in the air. And certainly, like you know, in Ristolainen's case, I think the last three years he's he's basically said like, hey, you know, if they want to trade me, they can do that. That's pretty cool. Um, I'd be okay with that. Uh, but in Reinhardt and Eichel's cases, that's never been the, the case before, and you could see it. I mean, you could see it on their face. You could you could hear it in how they spoke you know, certainly Jack was frustrated about a lot of stuff. And even Sam, Sam just seemed worn out by everything. And, you know, uh, you know, it's for him where, you know, he was the guy that was facing front of it all season long and dealing with, you know, dealing with the questions, dealing with all the attention. uh, That's a lot harder. And, you know, he's not really a guy who's been one to seek that spotlight. Uh, I don't know if that's me painting a painting a, pretty picture out of it but like he's he's never a guy that just wants to you know kind of air it out whereas jack has no qualms in doing that if he has to like he'll he'll say what he needs to say if it's if it's the right time and obviously there's other things going on with jack but but you're right this was <laughs> anybody who who watched all that stuff unfold and those three guys did go the first day because they had all the the young guys the next the new generation go the second day to kind of to slap a happy face on things but um But with certainly with those guys, like they were over it. They were over it. They were done with it. They've been here for five, six, seven years, you know, eight years in Risto's case. Like, they're they're done with it. Like it's just it's over. They're sick of the losing. They're sick of all this other crap. Like, if you if you walked away from watching that and thought, I don't know, maybe they could get back together next year and maybe get things figured out and started down a better road, you're fooling yourself because they like those
1: three guys were checked out. They were. And I'll tell you. Going into those pressers, and I remember this very well, I remember telling myself, okay, this was a different team with Kruger than it was with Granado. Sam Reinhardt, in the absence of Jack Eichel, showed that he is a legitimate potential first-line center, and at worst, certainly a really good number, two. at worst. Okay, yeah. so you take him, and these young guys who played well under Grenado. so you got Reinhardt, you got these young guys. And you got your captain coming back and your best player, obviously, and Jack Eichel next year. And again, this is all going before they started talking right after the season. I'm like, this is something to build on. You got the young guys playing well. Reinhardt really stepped his game up and you're going to have your best player, Jack Eichel, coming back. Mm -hmm. But by the time that press conference, those Zoom calls were over, whatever, over the course of those two days, that was literally the first time where I said to myself, yeah, Jack's gone. Yeah, Sam's Mm -hmm. gone. Rasmus kind of like most people's been, oh, whatever we hear it every year. Yeah. It feels like it's never going to happen, but I remember that it, it was just, it was just that feeling that everything changed with that zoom presser, or at least it did for me anyway. Now with Sam Reinhart, w- well with Rasmus, I, I, I talked about how I feel and you feel most people feel that the Sabres kind of got more than maybe what we initially expected them to fetch for him. Conversely mm-hmm. with, Sam Reinhardt, it seems, and this is, again, I want to get your take on this and your thoughts on this. Uh, so he goes to Florida for a goalie, a De- Devon Le- Levi, and a first round pick next year. So I, w- I want your thoughts on that. Are you surprised that there's a goalie involved? That's a prospect as opposed to maybe somebody who's more established in the league? Because again, Sam Reinhardt showed he is a legit top six forward in this league this year. And even the pick, the first round pick next year is actually lottery protected. So if it's a top 10 pick by some chance, then it gets pushed back a year. It kind of feels to me on the surface, anyway, based on conversations I've had with you or just other listening to other people, that they didn't quite get what they thought they were going to get for Sam. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, it it certainly seemed that I, I think... Uh... I think Elliot Friedman had mentioned it on the uh, 30 31 thoughts podcast soon to be 32 thoughts. I'm sure. But um, he had mentioned it on there that the pick was more important to Kevin Adams than the player was. And that seems pretty clear. Um, Because I think if the player was more important, you're aiming a little bit higher on the prospect level. Now that said, Devin Levi is not, Chops chop liver here. Like this this kid played incredible for Canada and world juniors right this past year. Like, you know, the fact that he's a seventh round pick is people going like, well, geez, this is some bum. Whatever. Get him out of here. Listen, goalies. People always say it, but goalies are voodoo, man. If you can figure out a, a great goalie prospect from when they're 18 and how they're gonna play when they're 23, 24. I want you to pick out the lottery numbers for me, please, because you're you're a, you're a freaking genius. Um, so we don't know what Levi's going to be. What we do know about Levi is that he's not very big. Uh, he's a bit smaller for for a goalie size, which doesn't usually bode well for for current NHL standards. I mean, all the all the goalies now are like six four, six five, six six, uh, but he's not that big. Um, but what he showed at World Juniors was that he's quick and he can he can get around. He can get around the crease. He can make saves. He can do that, which is great. Um, He's also a college goalie. He's at Northeastern. If if I'm the Sabres, I'm letting him finish his time out at Northeastern and then signing him. Like I'm not trying to hurry him out. Like Eric Portillo, if Michigan wins the national title this year and he's their starting goalie, get him out. Get him out, get him in a camp, and let's get it going. Like, get that stuff figured out because he was, you know, he was great at the USHL. He got a good taste of action last year. And now he's probably going to be the number one at Michigan. So, but in Levi's case, that's not his trajectory. And Uh, you know, if you can give him as much time as possible to get things figured out, great, do it. And they do that. They do have that. So they they can get away with it and let them roll. But the first round pick, I know the lottery protection, I think it's, I think it's meaningless. Honestly, that's, that's more Florida, you know, protecting their ass from having a total implosion this year. Panthers are going to be good. You know, they, they could win the division. They're that good. I, I, you know, on paper, you know, again, things can always get weird. They always seem to get weird for Florida for whatever reasons but they were damn good last year. They're going to be really good again this year, especially with the the, the old division format coming back. Like they're going to get the load up against the Sabres, the, the Red Wings and the Senators again. They don't have to, you know, they're, they're going to have to deal with the Lightning a bunch, you know, Boston, you know, Toronto, all them, but they're going to be right up there with them. And if they miss the playoffs, that's a shock. I think I'm saying that right now, it's going to be a shock if they miss the playoffs because they seem to be a team that's going to be, that's going to make it and they're going to do well. Now, you know, whether that happens or not, we'll see. They're gonna have questions in goal because of because of Bob, because bobrovsky has been terrible since he's gone down there, but uh, but we'll see. But if they end up in the lottery, all right, the first round pick slides to 23, which not a bad thing. Like there's gonna be some really elite talent in 2023 as well as 2022. Sabres just want to get as many firsts as possible. If you can walk away with, you know, once you know, if they once they get Eichel Dell, if they can get another 2022 first, you're got you got three in that draft next year, you're sitting really good. And one of those picks is going to be a top five pick, at least, <laughs> you know, based on what based on what the Sabres are looking like, they're going to be next year. You're looking at at least you're probably looking at definitely top 10, maybe top five.
1: Only top five, because they can actually fall down a couple of spots in the lottery. Because I could say otherwise, <laughs> I consider them a, a top three lock. Maybe I'm answering my own question by just um, what I explained a couple of minutes ago. But with mm. this haul, with the return they got, it almost feels to me from a hockey standpoint only maybe they would have just been better off holding on to Sam Reinhardt and trading him near the deadline. I feel like maybe they could have gotten more. Maybe not though. I mean, who knows? Maybe gets hurt. I mean, things could happen. Or is it because again, based on what we heard and just the the sentiment that it was kind of obvious, dude didn't want to be here. And Kevin Adams in a couple of press conferences over this uh, last few months has pretty much said, we want guys who want to be here. Sam mm-hmm. Reinhardt wasn't that guy. So it was like, all right, we're getting rid of this guy. Maybe even if it's, Maybe even if we could have gotten more at the deadline, which I don't know, maybe maybe they couldn't have gotten more. I'm just a little. The first round pick is good. I just thought that maybe they would have done a little bit better for a guy who scored 25 goals last year. Because I guess, and you kind of explained this already, the goalie, like, where does he really, where does he slot into this uh, organizationally uh, on the depth chart? Because I mean, they got UPL. Yeah, you mentioned Portillo. They got the hope. They're hopeful to bring back um, Olmark. I mean. You're kind of talking like a long time before this guy might see between the nets in Buffalo, if at all. It's just, it kind of feels a little underwhelming to me personally. Maybe it's just me, but if this, this, just this hall feels a little bit underwhelming to me, whereas with and like I said, that kind of, that package was a little bit more than I expected.
2: Yeah. But I think you kind of spelled it out. What the, what the issue is with the goaltending they, you know, they, maybe they bring all Mark back. You've got Lucan and you've got Portillo, you've got nobody else. They literally have no other drafted, you know, brought up goalies of their own behind Portillo, and you know that's that's the fault of drafting. Like you you know, scout your goalies a little bit better. Maybe get one every couple of years, uh, or grab one when you see see that they're going to be really good. Um, but that's you know that's that's kind of the fault on 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 how the drafting goes because if you've got that few goalies in your system. You ain't doing things right. You know, and they, I mean, they had Jonas Johansson. They traded him last year. Allmark may or may not come back. i you know, I've heard, i heard he's likely to come back on a multi-year deal. Um, you know, I think, I think I saw Chad D- D- Demonasis say something around the $5 million mark. But like, if you're Mark, aren't you waiting until free agent day to say like, well, oh, let's see what else is out there. Because there's probably going to be a lot out there for him because there's a lot of teams that, that are going to be needing goaltending. So if I'm him, I'm waiting to see who calls. Then if not, if you know you got to deal with Buffalo waiting for you, okay. You're you're okay with that. But uh, but you got it you have to have more goalies in the pipeline. You just you need to have guys because if you can get a goalie that comes up through your system and he does really well, you've got him for cheap. You've got him, you know, you've got control of him until he's you know 27, 28. Um, that's what you want because you don't wanna be paying you don't want to be dropping eight, nine million dollars a year on a goalie because year to year that's gonna change. I mean, we've seen Seen it so many, I, I mentioned Bobrovsky before. Like Florida signed him to a gigantic contract, and he's been crap. He's been crap there for like two or three years now. So, uh, you have to be really careful with how you spend that money because that you know the thing lately has been be as cheap as you can with goaltending as long as it's good because you don't know who's going to be good from year to year, and that's 100% true. Carter Hart, I thought, was going to be you know King, King Vezina for the next 10 years with Philly. He had a really rough year last year. Tristan Jari seemed to be like he was going to be the king of Pittsburgh for a while. He was sketchy last year. So everything changes year to year, and it all depends on how teams play together. But um, but you, you just need to have the guys in your system to be able to work with them, to be able to find out what they're about, and be able to, to see if they're going to be worth a damn. Because right now, even still, we don't know if UPL is going to be, if he's going to be the guy. We've been talking about him possibly being the guy for a while, but we still don't know. And that's, that's the real tough part with goaltending.
1: Of the three guys, well, two have already been traded. One, obviously, at some point is going to be. Reinhardt was the one that I wanted to keep the most. You you said it perfectly. I think Rasmus, at this point, given everything, was more addition by subtraction. Jack, we're going to talk about him in a second. But I really like Sam Reinhardt, the player. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, not many, but there are a couple people in the media, quite frankly, that I feel like treated him shitty. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that that's the reason. Sam Reinhardt's a professional, and I'm sure it comes down to a lot of other things beyond just what the media think of him or a couple of people. Mm-hmm. But there's no doubt in my mind, man. I don't need the name maze, man. people figure the shit out what I'm saying. There are some people in the media that really kind of dumped on this guy a lot more than he deserves because I thought mm-hmm. he was a steady player. I thought he was constantly being moved around and put in bad situations. But even that, I feel like he was flourishing. And he was just playing his best hockey this year again without Jack, mm-hmm. too. So it wasn't even like Jack was carrying him. I just feel like to a large extent with the media and maybe some fans, but more in the media, because, you know, it's easy to blame the media for this and that and the fan blah, blah, whatever. But I actually think the fans like Reinhardt, I think it was more just some people in the media just didn't give this guy the respect he deserved.
2: Yeah. And, you know, for you know, from my own experiences with him, I've had, you know, I've had zero problem with him ever. You know, I mean you know and not to get too much like to see how the sausage is made when it comes to like trying to get stories done or whatnot but like if you're pinning all your hopes on getting one story done with one guy and you know depending on the day you catch a guy in a bad mood or something like if you if you're under the wire you're under the deadline you got to get you got to get something with this guy no matter what and if he ain't feeling it that day and he gives you a answers you're not looking for, he's just short with you, or like, you know, he's got other things he's got to get to, like whatever the deal is. That's a you problem. That's not his problem because his problem, you know, his thing is he's, you know, he practices, he plays, he's there. If you ask for him, he's there. And then, you know, it's on you to ask either the right questions or just be more prepared for it. And, um, if the, if you get off on a bad foot with him, it's probably your own fault. Like, you you know, you know, some players just don't like people out of hand because of whatever reason. But, um, but sometimes you just, you, you, you get a feeling from a guy. We've all had this happen. Like, I'm not just, you know, I'm not going to say like, this is, you know, on these people in particular, we've had it happen where you, you get into a situation where you see somebody and just out of hand without knowing them, just seeing them and see the way they act. You go, Oh, fuck that guy. Like, no, it's, 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 it's right. to hell with him. I don't, I don't like them. Uh, you have no reason for it. It's unfounded. You just look at him or you hear him, You just go, Oh, to hell with that guy. And I I want to say that that's probably what happened with Sam. And sometimes the way he's acted in, in scrums is, you know, maybe not what you're looking for. But if you needed him and you, and you asked him questions and you were proper with the guy, he was good. And, you know, lots of guys just don't handle, you know, having cameras stuffed in their face very well. Some guy, you know, a lot of the guys from Canada have been media taught to be, say your cliches and get out of there and be like, oh yeah, cool, got him. You know, like, lot of guys a lot of guys just love to talk and sometimes they have to get reined in by their team PR you know like they you gotta you gotta turn a hose on them be like all right that's enough don't don't give away all the secrets please you know Robin Leonard (laughs) right You know but um but I think kicking a guy out of kicking a guy on the way out of town when he's been a 50 to 60 50 to 65 point player every year doesn't make a lot of sense it you know it reeks of like the classic Boston thing where you know, the Red Sox would trade a guy, then suddenly you'd hear all these shitty stories about the guy and be like, yeah, I'm glad he's gone. It's like, well, what are you dumping on the guy? Like, what did he do to you other than just play hard every day and be productive? And then you're just taking a shit on the guy. Like, happened to, you know, happened to Nomar, happened to Manny Ramirez, happened to Wade Boggs. Boggs had some other issues there, and so did Clemens, but all these guys got dumped on. But, you know, to, to kick a guy on his way out of town, and I'm waiting to see it to happen to Jack too. You know, I'm waiting for... It's some people's stories to get to get out and, yep, because I mean, <laughs> I mean, it sure seems like that the the, the Sabers have been trying to get him to to wear the black hat and he hasn't bid on it once um yet. <laughs> I mean, maybe he will. I don't know, but I mean, in Sam's case, I don't know. I just didn't see much point in just being shitty with shitty about him because he's a damn good player. And any time there's been a crit, some kind of criticism of it of him, whether it was he's soft, he doesn't like to go to the net, well. He turned he turned his turned things around by being a guy that parked him, parked his ass in front of the net and became a guy who distracted goalies got tips in front and was able to be really good around there. You know, I was like, oh, he doesn't go in the corners and fish pucks out. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, he's pretty soft defensively. No, it's not the case. You know, all these things that you know people were critical. Even the part about you know, oh, he's not a center anymore. Which, hey, I'm guilty of saying that. You know, because he was so good in the right wing. Well, he went out and proved to everybody this year. He's like, no, I can play center and be really good at it. just, you know, every coach before him was just like, yeah, I don't think so. This isn't going to work. So, you know, to me, he's the guy that's just thrived on proving everybody wrong. And, you know, for a guy of his talent level, that shouldn't, he shouldn't have to do that, but he's had to. And now he's going to go to Florida. He's going to be in a top six role, whether he's a center or a winger. I don't think it matters. And he's going to get four or five cracks against the Sabres this year and maybe every year for the next, however, if they extend him And you know what? think there's going to be a lot of fans are going to be like, good, show them, show them what's up, you know, get three points against them every game. Fine. Show them what happened. Show them what's wrong.
1: Yeah. I think he's a very underappreciated player. And I I think his Mm -hmm. best hockey is actually still to come. And I think people, whether it's media or some fans that kind of wanted to run the guy out of town, I think they're going to understand that, yo, this guy's, this guy's the goods, man. He's the shit. He's a, he's Mm -hmm. very legit. Let's talk Michael for a second because. I mean, this has been the most We might need a few that.
2: more seconds. We might need a few more things and seconds for him.
1: But. You're probably right. But I mean, <laughs> look, lots of rumors going on forever. I mean, we didn't tape an episode over these last couple months where we didn't at least mention some rumors that we would be hearing, whether it was 31 thoughts or, mm-hmm. you know, just all kinds of stuff going on. But anyway, lots of rumors, but nothing came yet. Nothing came about as of yet. And there's reports out there that Kevin Adams, which does seem logical, that the asking price right now is just, too damn high, man, I mean, what are your thoughts on him still being here at least again as we record this late into Monday night for a Tuesday morning drop, you're just your thoughts on him still being here? Are you surprised, and um, I mean, I don't want to ask you how you see this played out because we 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 all know that at some point he's gonna get traded, so let's just start there. like are you shocked right now that, as we tape this podcast, Jack Eichel is still a saber?
2: I'm pretty surprised um. I thought the the pressure point of the of the first round of the draft was going to be a big one, as far as the Sabers were concerned, as far as getting you know getting the return that they're looking for, um, because I was I was very sold on the fact that I figured they wanted another pick in the top five, um, or the top ten at least, uh-huh. and to be able to to get your pick of whatever you get from from whoever trades for them, I, I figured that was as good as done. And I was wrong, <laughs> which is why I don't get into gambling so much because I would lose a lot of money. Well, to um, be
0: fair,
1: everybody was wrong
0: for the most well, part. Yeah, Everyone yeah. Went,
2: so not just you. Yeah. But it's um but given the way some of the discussion has gone in the app, you know, since the draft has ended and before free agency kicks up on Wednesday, the way a lot of the conversation has gone is that teams that were interested early backed out, then they were back in again. And some teams that weren't in at first, they were in, then they, then they got in Then they backed out and then maybe they're in again. Um, You're starting to hear things like, you know, the Rangers package isn't good enough. You know, I think it was Rick Carpinello said uh, the Rangers didn't want to give up uh, Lundquist, not Henrik Lundquist. They have a defensive prospect named Lundquist um, and Brandon Schneider, uh, who I think is Matthew Schneider's kid. So yeah, more legacy stuff there, but uh, they didn't want to give up those two guys. And, I'm thinking. I, I'm pretty sure the Sabers weren't asking for him, anyways. I'm pretty sure the Sabers would be asking for uh, somebody a little bit higher up the ladder, maybe Capo Kako or even Alexis Lafreniere, which I I don't think the Rangers would give him up. But, um, but I think if you're offering up your third and fourth best prospects for Eichel, you're not getting a deal done. But that's where, you know, I think I think Elliot had the team list as what L.A., Anaheim, Calgary, Minnesota. Uh, Montreal supposedly kicked the tires, but you know, uh, again, that's, you know, unless they're giving up Nick Suzuki as part of that, it ain't happening. And, and Montreal's not giving up Nick Suzuki. So that's, so that's a non-starter for me, but, um, but some of these other teams that are interested, I mean, these are, this is going to be a complex deal, no matter what, like it, it's complex in, in what teams are willing to give up. It's complex in, you know, Jack's status, which, you know, apparently he's skating. Things are going good. The neck neck thing is still there, but he's working out and doing all that stuff. So there's that. And, you know, it, it all depends on what, you know, what level of action, which we, I think, I think I read from, from Vogel, uh, that Terry Pagul is getting involved in this Great. too, by, Great. by, yeah, exactly. By saying, you know, I want him in the Western conference, which I mean, yeah, that's what you should do, but like keep Terry the hell out of the room, man. Like he's the one that wants the, I'm sure he's the one that's like sick of Jack now, um, and he doesn't want to be paying him $10 million a year anymore considering the, the way Jack's been very passive-aggressively, been saying, like, you guys stink. I don't like your medical staff. Please get me out of here, you know, without saying that directly. Um, So, I mean, you know, having all of these factors involved, and it sure seemed that like the way the draft went and the way the first two trades went, Terry and Kim had nothing to do, nothing really going on other than, you know, giving the rubber stamp, like, go ahead. Make that deal. We trust you. That they're getting involved with, Jack discussions now makes me think, oh boy, this is going to get ugly <laughs> because we know Terry isn't the most patient guy in the world. And I, I s- still firmly believe that his fingerprints are all over the O'Reilly trade, which went sideways um, for X number of reasons. So, uh, you know, if I'm Kevin, I'm just changing the lock to my office door every couple of days. And maybe he's just saying, you know, pretending you're not in the office when you're taking, when you're on the phone with some of these other teams. But, um, but I don't, you know, listen. He's gonna get dealt, and it's a yes. It's a surprise he's still on the team, but it's gonna happen, and it's probably. I mean, gonna get bit on this again, but it's probably coming this week.
1: If you love listening to what's here on Talk Buffalo podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms out there. And here's the best part. You could get all this for just 15 bucks a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in the show notes of this episode to find out more. But again, that's BWhustle.com slash join. You said something earlier that kind of caught my interest where it's almost like Kevin Adams or maybe it's Terry, whoever, that they almost want Jack to be the back guy, the bad guy to wear uh the black hat in this. They need to be careful though, don't they? Because look, I mean you were just very clear, because I was gonna ask you after the break, is there any chance whatsoever? That you see Jack Eichel opening night in the Sabres lineup. And maybe he gets dealt during the season. But you kind of made that clear. You don't think that's going to happen. I certainly don't think that's going to happen either. But do you have to be careful like how this is handled? Because one thing that maybe some fans don't think about. At least some. Is the way things are handled. It reverberates. How things go behind the scenes kind of reverberates around the league with players. And if you want guys to come here. You know free agents to come here. Mm -hmm. and you're handling things bad and you're throwing your star center under the bus a little bit and you're trying to make him look like the bad guy i mean you kind of have some experience you know i mean you know players and stuff like this don't you think that could negatively affect their ability not that they're you know also (laughs) affecting their ability to attract free ages as being a shitty team for 10 straight years (laughs) and counting but beyond that i know from You know, at least knowing some Bills players and kind of covering at least a little bit that team during that time, and knowing some players that that does matter. What other players think matters to to guys around the league when they're trying to get them to uh, come join their team. Do you do you think that this is something that Kevin Adams? I mean, he wants Jack on, obviously, but maybe Mm -hmm. he they kind of need to be a little bit tender and like get the deal done, but don't make Jack look like the asshole because I feel like that could really backfire. Not especially with fans, but also like I said, players from other teams around the league. Do you agree with that? Yeah, no, word definitely gets out. Like guys know where where's different
2: situations sit when it come, when it comes down to it. And they, you know, everybody talks. Like that's you want to act like nobody talks. Everybody talks. To say like it happens in every business. Like you know, like same thing will happen in media. Like you know, if there's a if there's a media job up there, and people think. Like, oh, well, you know, I don't have to call that person back because I already got my already got my pick settled. Uh I'll get back to him once we get it announced. We'll get that all square. Well, I gotta I gotta tell you, we knew about it way, you know, right after you decided to pick the person you hired because chances are we all know who's going for those jobs. And it's the same way in the NHL with free agency. Like, you know where guys ideally probably wanna play. Um, I can only think of one situation ever in my mind where a guy got really pissed about free agency. And this is goes way back. Uh, and it goes back to Raphael Palmero and Will Clark. Going, I mean, we're talking going back what late 80s, I think, when Will Clark uh-huh. signed with the Rangers and Palmero was with the Rangers. Those guys, those guys played college ball together, and Palmero was pissed. He was pissed beyond belief that is that he got stabbed in the back by his buddy. And instead, Palmero ended up going to Baltimore after that. And he was just like, you know. Screw will Clark. I mean, that's an ancient reference, but like, that's the one time I can think where guys weren't on the same page. But like, players know. Players already know that it's a mess in Buffalo. They already know that the the ownership in Ottawa is dirt cheap. They already know about you know it's a shit show in Edmonton. Like, they already know about all this stuff. It's not a secret. And you know, if you're if you're signing with Buffalo and not going into it knowing what you're going to be possibly dealing with. I want to know where you've been hiding because that's an amazing way to, to shelter yourself from, from everything going on out there. But the way, and I've, I've always referred to this as a passive aggressive war of words between I, you know, between Adams and Eichel's representation, because this week, you know, they, you know, Adams is asked straight out, like, you know, are you okay with having, you know, if Jack's still on your roster come training camp, are you okay with that? And he goes, yeah, I'm very happy. I'd be very happy to have him on the roster. Why? We know it's a lie, but that's a lie you know i'd be very happy to have him and he, but it's it's his way of trying to leverage things through the media to be like yeah no we don't have to we're not forced to trade him fine like you got to say that but uh, but you know when you when you get a comment from from peter fish you know a, you know jack's agent saying we've been anticipating a trade all along here you get caught in a lie and <laughs> if there's something we've seen from jack this past year he's good at catching sabers executives in lies because because it happened to kruger it happened to kruger and now you know now adams is kind of caught you know getting caught you know spinning a line to the media i'm not going to say he's outright lying because he's just you know that's part of the game like you gotta you gotta show a face to it a a little bit but man oh man you can't say like we're happy to have jack here then have jack's agent say like yeah no we've been waiting for him to get moved here so like you know just sitting around just waiting for the phone call that's that's what we're doing like We're not going back like he's not going back, but we're not going to say we're asking for a trade because the second he asks for a trade or he demands a trade, he's the bad guy because then it's just like, oh, he's given up on the team. He's, you know, he's just greedy. He just wants money, blah, blah, blah. People are saying that now, but it's kind of like, yeah, no, he's been trying all along. Like they haven't surrounded him with anybody. You can't blame the guy. But the, the second he demands a trade, the switch flips and now he's the bad guy. Because yeah. that resol- that re- that resolves the sab- the Sabres can just say, well, we got to wash our hands of this now. Like you know, hey, he wants out. That's the way it is. So we're just gonna do you know we're gonna do our best to to get that taken care of. Instead, now it's this it's this you know tete a tete between them where neither one's giving an inch to 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 own up to making the bad you know to being the bad guy in this and i to me it's hilarious because i think jack made his point very clear at the end of the year this is really bad they i don't like how they're handling my next situation it's my life it's my career i you know let me take care of myself you know i got to think about my future here blah 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 just regarding his health like never mind the team and all that but just in the matter of staying healthy he's he said, you know, listen, these guys don't want me to be healthy, which that's a really shitty thing. If that's the case, if the team is just like, oh, we don't want you to get this operation. No, we want you to be in pain for a long time. No, we don't want you to play at 100%. You know, it doesn't matter that he wants like uh, some crazy operation or some, you know, very untested operation. I can't call it crazy because what if it, you know, makes him into, you know, you know, ultra superstar that never has to worry about his neck again, then it's an amazing surgery. But, um, but all this stuff is just, it, it's hilarious. And to me, it's very funny to watch this go down and have neither one of them just own up to it and be like, yeah, no, fuck it. I'm the bad guy.
1: Right. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe by the time we do casual Friday, we'll have something concrete happen with Jack before I let you go. And and I do want to wrap with the question about free agency, but before that, let's just really quickly here gloss over the first couple of picks of the draft. And again, this is almost old news. Now, you know, people are hearing this on Tuesday, I know you've been all over the place doing podcasts and radio appearances. I know you're on WGR2 and stuff like that. Plenty of written literature about a lot of these picks already. But Owen Power, I mean, obviously no surprise. I mean, you talked about it on this show many times and that was the expected uh, number one pick. Are you kind of pleased that that's the direction they went with instead of maybe, you know, wingers and, and fours maybe was a bigger need organizationally, but they just went with what they thought was the best player. At the end of the day, uh, I mean, I'm, this is probably a rhetorical question, but I'm assuming that you're happy with the, the direction that they went with that pick.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think power was, I think when it came down to a power was the only pick they could really make Yeah, uh, at that spot. Uh, you could have gotten wacky with it and picked, you know, any one of five other players, but I think power, no matter what was the guy you had to go with uh, just based on, everything about him. I mean, he, you know, kind of got to prove himself at world championships being, you know, an 18 year old playing against, you know, a bunch of men in that and playing a lot of minutes. He wasn't, you know, usually in those tournaments when you're 18 and playing in worlds, you're not getting a lot of ice time. He was, and he played, he handled himself very well. So that's, that's a good thing. So I don't think you have to worry about him. He'll, I mean, if he if he goes back to Michigan this year, they're probably going to win a title because <laughs> they're loaded because the first two picks in the draft uh, were are Michigan bound. Uh, what four of the first five guys are in yeah, Michigan? Yeah, it's
1: crazy. It's yeah.
2: nuts. Absolutely nuts. And I think I think it was seven. I think there was seven overall picks like that are going to, that are going to Michigan. It's How does
1: that team ever lose a game?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, How all these lose? guys are going to be coming in as, as either freshmen or sophomores. Uh, so, I mean college yeah. hockey college hockey skews a bit older with the ages because yeah, you get true. a lot of, you get a lot of canadians who play like junior a or junior b up until they're 20 until they age out of it and then they're like okay time to go to college and they show up right. they show up at college and they're 20 years old and mm. they're freshmen and suddenly it's just like oh all right they're bigger than every other freshman and they're the same size as all the juniors Neat, so you know. Th- so there's that part of it, but like that's also what makes college hockey the huge challenge it, it is, and that's why the numbers are a little bit depressed in there. They play fewer games, uh, the whole thing. But I mean, power, power's already shown himself to be very good uh, as it is, and I think seeing him at uh, seeing him another year in Michigan is going to be really impressive. You know, with with Matt Beniers, uh, another you know, with Portillo probably being the number one goalie, I think. Um, but you know, it's it's Beniers, it's Luke Hughes, it's Kent Johnson, it's it's a bunch of these guys all going there at the same time, and it's nuts. Like that's that's nuts. So I that, in that respect, it's it's great to see that. We talked a little bit about Isaac Rosen, um solid guy in Sweden, you know, played at Lexand. Um keep him there for another couple of years, let him play it out, let him see how it goes. And then the what, five Russians they they took yeah it's bonkers <laughs> if anything showed me that they locked terry out of the draft room this year it was the fact they took a bunch of russian players but <laughs> from what i understand the they the sabers entire scouting staff all what seven of them <laughs> were all at the uh the under 18 uh world championships i think it was under 18s um and russia was there and russia the russian guys played really well so i mean they were able to get the attention of, of the Sabres guys and they were able to get Terry to be like, hey man, listen, you're gonna hear a lot of names you might not know or like. Just trust us. We're, this is gonna be good. like these, these guys will work good. But what I liked the most was that these guys are skill guys. they're speed and skill guys, which my god, they've been trying to find the tweener step for a lot of guys as as time has gone on in the, in the lower rounds. finding guys that can, that are just straight up skill players and that can finish and they can score. Holy shit, man! What, what a novel idea to do that. And it just you know it just happens that you know a pile of them are, are Russians. But like that's fine. Like you, you can do that. But there's uh, the one pick that they made. I think is going to be a real sleeper. Uh, is uh, Alexander Kisikov. I think he's going to be a. I think he's I, he's a higher end talent that they were able to get in the uh, lower end of the second fifty uh, third second round. I think he's going to be a really nice player. And I'm, I'm going down my list here just to see who else, uh, going down here quick. Nope. That's not the one
1: I was shocked uh, to see that. I was shocked to see the Russians, pick, and not in a bad way. I mean, that's not a complaint. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a pleasant surprise. It's just as the Sabres, that's not something they typically do often.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think the defenseman they got late from Russia, Nikita Novikov, he might be interesting as well. Um, so I mean, you know, I mean, they got what twelve guys this year. That, I mean, you want to rebuild your your pipeline up? That's that's a good way to do it. And you know, you know listen, the people dumped all over this this draft year because they don't think it's that deep. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And honestly, they've needed forwards in the pipeline for the longest time. They've just been tapped out of it. You can see it in Rochester with the lineups they have put out. I mean, last year you can't really judge it because it was half an ECHL roster. But um, but they've they've needed forwards for a bit. So that I mean, this is good. Uh, they're ideally going to have a ton of picks next year, which you know will help out. They'll be able to pack up, you know, pack in some more people, get get some more on-hand scouting, and and go from there. But I, I, I just on the face of it, I'm impressed that they went with skill and speed. They didn't worry about size. They didn't worry about you know trying to find bruisers and and maulers out there. They went for. He went for some really skilled guys. I think one of their picks is like six foot one fifty. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever been six foot one fifty ever in no. my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, like, like you see him and you're just like, geez, that guy's going to put him away. Well, he will. He's eighteen. <laughs> Give him some time. Let him play in Russia. Let him just get it sorted out and come over. Ideally, come over when he's when things are ready to go.
1: Last thing, and then I'll let you go, Joe. So, all right, we talked about Rasmus. He's gone. We've talked about Sam. He's gone. Jack's departure, certainly imminent at this point for sure. Mm-hmm. Um they got back a, a goalie prospect and maybe a, a third line defenseman, I, I suppose, for this year. For this team anyway, he'll probably <laughs> be a third line defenseman this year. Um two draft picks, two first run, I should say, picks next year of their own in Florida's for sure. And obviously, I, I mean, regardless of where Jack goes and what the hall ends up being, I, I'd be stunned if it's not a, a first round draft pick next year too. So you're probably looking at three first round picks, at least next year uh, for Buffalo going forward. Now, Kevin Adams alluded to the fact if it's not flat out said, I don't want to quote him directly if he didn't say this, but I, I, I read that he did. He basically said that he's not really looking to sign anyone in, unfree, or in free agency that uh, can take a lot of minutes away from his younger core. He wants those guys mm-hmm. to uh, develop and said he'll fill out the roster with uh veterans and you know veteran leaders and god all, all i could just hope is that he's not referring to guys like uh like Ryder and, and uh who, who, riley and you know players like yeah. that but anyway i guess it, here's a question that i wanted to ask you on this given what he said given the fact that they were about to lose three star players and really get nothing immediate back and that they're not going to be active in free agency and they're not they don't have chips right now to really trade and get a really good player probably right now. I can't believe I got to ask you this, but are we about to enter another season of Buffalo Sabres tanking? (laughs) I mean, really?
2: Um, What I think is is going to be the debate this year, and it's probably going to make everybody sick to their stomach, is what's the right way to find your way to the bottom? because the Sabres were beyond criticized for doing it the way they did. And certainly Arizona was too. Um, this time around though, they're going about it in a more Maple Leafs way. <laughs> the year the Maple Leafs got Austin Matthews in the draft where they, you know, they, you know, they had, you know, things started going wrong and, you know, they, you know, they had, uh, you know, they fired a coach. Uh, they fight, you know, they fired uh, Randy Carlisle, that, you know, had his assistant take over. They didn't have a ton of guys really to trade anyways they just had a bad team got rid of a couple of guys and then just were bad and i don't think there's any way you can look at what the sabers are going to throw out there on opening night and say yeah this is a bad team i don't think you can look at them and say like i think they got a shot no (laughs) like no they're flat out going to be bad they're not you can't i'm of the opinion you can't actively tank if you're already going to be bad that's you know that's The way I look at it, I don't know if that's semantics or or what have you, but I mean, it's if you can't tell already that they're starting over, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I know that there's still some fans that are holding out hope that you know that either Jack will decide, yeah, I want to play here, or that the Sabers will just you know if they can't get a deal done or, or get the deal they want, just tell Jack to sit out for the whole year. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> that has less of a chance of happening than, than Jack playing for them this year. So, um, but I mean, the, let's make no, let's not beat around the bush here. They're, they're going to be bad. The, the thing that's going to catch up with them though, is that Detroit's also going to be bad and is going to be in their division. Ottawa should be better, but maybe they'll also still be bad again. Um, and they're in their division you know Columbus is probably going to be bad they're also in the east so you've got other teams around just the eastern conference where they're going to get points they're going to get wins and that's going to drive fans nuts because they're obviously going to want to end up you know being as close to bad as possible but like half the half the pacific division's going to be bad you know this isn't going this isn't quite like how major league baseball is where you have like five teams that are trying to win and everybody else being like yeah we can pare it down and hope for the number 1 pick um this is different like this is this is this is teams managing stuff in a flat cap era coming off years where every team lost money uh this past lost a lot of money um and i think that's that's what we're kind of seeing here the the sabers are looking at it from the view of why are we going to break our backs spending a ton of money if we're just going to be bad anyways like let's just you know sort of strip it down get all the get all the futures that we can handle for, for these three guys that we know we can trade for, for good stuff and go from there and not spend a ton of money to do it. Because as it is right now, once they trade Jack, if they don't take a huge contract on hand, they're either barely at the floor or they're under it, which is, yeah. I think was everybody's fear when Terry, you know, when the the, the assumption was last year that they were going to be, they were going to cut down the payrolls. I think like 70 million and people were like, Oh my God, no. And like, they might be 60 million this year at this rate. So, I mean, it's not what fans want to hear, but I think once you see there's no Jack, there's no Sam, there's no Ristolainen. You know, Victor Olofsson's now your your top offensive player, probably him and Cousins are probably your top offensive players. And Skinner, I mean, we'll see if he bounces back. Um, and your number one defenseman is Rasmus Dallin. It's a young ass team. It's a really young team and young teams don't usually do that well. And that's just the way it's going to be. And, and we don't even still even know who their goalie's going to be. So this is going to be it's going to be a tough year, but I think, I think as long as the fans know that going in, and they play interesting, fun hockey, which certainly sounded like the way Don Grano wants to coach them. As long as they do those things, they can win people back. Because if they play an exciting style of hockey and maybe wins, you know, play really hard, you know, don't get their don't get their heads handed to them every night, and don't you know mope all season. Fans will respect it, and I think. And this is where the Pagul may be pushing their luck here. They're 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 counting on that to happen. That fans will be like, "Hey, you know what? Good for them. They're trying hard. Whatever." It's tough to it's ballsy, and it's tough to do that after ten straight years of missing the playoffs and setting yourself up for eleven or twelve. But I mean, what else are you gonna do here? Like, yeah, I mean, you, you you could have a poisonous locker room with with Jack and Sam and Risto, and then try to build up around them and try to figure out a way to get it done right and have it continue to be bad and have the whole locker room be sour. Or you can do it this way. Hit the reset button. Say you've already got a couple of good parts in place with with Cousins and with Darlene and just move on. And I think they decided that's the right way to go about this because doing it the other way was proving fruitless regardless.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We got some good topics, I think, to pick back up on this uh, on our casual Friday episode. We'll talk. We'll see what's going on with Jack. Maybe there'll be some news. Maybe, maybe there won't mm-hmm. be. Um, we'll also talk. Free agency does start Wednesday, so I don't expect them to be fancy names. But this, I expect the Sabers at least probably have a couple of new additions by the time we tape, or at least maybe. And then one thing which I really wanted to focus on, and I want to save this for Friday, is you talked about the young guys, and you know they're gonna go through, uh, they're gonna go through some learning pains this year. I'm gonna ask you on Friday, and we're gonna d- dive into this, at least a little bit anyway. If playing these guys like Cousins and Middlestat, who were starting to come along nice last year if giving them too much of a bigger role right away next year, you know, top six guys playing, you know, big minutes against the other team's top lines, maybe Mm -hmm. that might be counterproductive. So I'm going to get your thoughts on that and some things that they might be able to do to kind of navigate around, but we'll save that for Friday. We'll talk, uh, we'll do a new starting five. I'll recap. You kicking my ass for what? Five, a fifth, God damn it. Five Five straight weeks. Now, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to come up. I'm i I'm going to, Honestly, I don't know what topic we're doing yet, but I'm going to I'm gonna cheat. At this point, I'm coming up with one that's like uh, slanted towards me. I don't even know what the hell it's going to be. But <laughs> I got to figure out something where I could beat you because this is getting really embarrassing. And by the, the be, way, it the wasn't The best total songs in history, I would, I would be close <laughs> on. But we'll talk about that on uh, Friday. Thanks as always for joining me, Joe. Hey, you got it, man. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Big thank you one more time. My man, Joe Yurden. Make sure you're following him on Twitter, at Joe Yurden, one of my favorite guests. Always a pleasure to have Joe on the show. So thank you very much. And by the way, of course, like I said earlier at the beginning, he will be back for casual Friday, Marcel Louis Jacques Imperial Pizza on Wednesday, Barry McCockiner on Thursday. Lots of stuff going on here at of Buffalo Podcast. And if you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Subscribe either on Apple or Spotify. We're typically on all the platforms out there, but for whatever reason, we're having significant issues with Google and a couple other ones out there, Stitcher. So if you can, make sure you subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Then new episodes will get directly sent right to your phone or whatever listening device you have, literally as soon as they are dropped. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. I'm um, always on Twitter, podcast polls, upcoming guest promos, sports talk, you name it. I'm on Twitter like pretty much 24-7. So check me out there. Thank you so, so much for listening. I say it all the time, man. I, I truly, honest to God, man, I appreciate each and every single one of you. So many great shows out there. And when you're choosing to lock into this one for whatever period of time, I'm humbled by that. I'm grateful. So thank you very, very much. And again, I'll be back. In fact, I'll be back tomorrow. Find our Wings Club episode for sure with Marcel Louis Jacques from espn.com. Talk to you tomorrow.